Father, we love you. Uh, we, uh, we wouldn't be here without you. And um, mm, just to see that last smiling face, just saying that my family helps me now. Uh, this church planning thing doesn't have to be complicated. And uh, neither does this Christianity thing. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Pray that you would uh, be here with us and that you would help us understand what it is that you're calling us to be in this next year, uh, much less in these next 30 or 40 or 60 minutes, depending on if the Spirit gets me or not. And so we love you and we trust you. And uh, that is the that is the end of most prayers that I pray because I have no other profound thoughts other than we love you and we trust you because you have loved us and you have shown yourself to be trustworthy over the many years. And so uh, would you now uh, put our mind and our heart's attention and affection towards what you want us to know about yourself? Would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe this simple message today of what it is that you're calling us to be and hopefully what we're pleading for in 2019. And so would you help us, uh, Holy Spirit, uh, guide us, comfort us, counsel us, correct us as we need it, but more than anything, Lord, guide us and, and help us. We love you and we are grateful in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so um, uh, like here's the beautiful thing today is uh, today is four years. There's a lot of people in the back. There's plenty of seats up here. If you guys want to come up front, uh, you guys can do that. Um, and so please uh, feel free to do that. So as we get going, uh, it was on November the 1st, 2014, that we gathered in our living room at Pecan Lakes. It was a Saturday night where we cast vision on a, on a, on a night of worship and, and prayer, night of worship and vision. It was on that night that we cast a vision for a new church, a new work uh, in Fort Bend County that would focus on making disciples who would make disciples so that we could plant churches that plant churches. And we had hoped that we would activate and equip every believer in Christ to their God-given identity as missionaries. That was the thing that kind of, that, that was prompting us as we started this church, is that we looked around and we've been doing church for a long time, but we had failed at being the church. We looked around and we thought, man, what are we doing? Uh, we're doing really good things, but what would it look like to go back to the New Testament, rediscover what it is that God's calling us to do? And what we found was that, man, God has empowered us to do a lot of beautiful and good things, mainly being missionaries, being the sent out ones of Jesus. So we had longed to flip the front door of the church from a Sunday morning to a Saturday night or a Thursday night or a Monday night from a gathering area space like this to someone's living room where they were inviting their neighbors over and just being hospitable to them and sharing the gospel with them over time, that that would indeed be more New Testament living than simply gathering on Sunday, doing Bible study and going home with our lives and really none of it making that much of a difference. We affirmed some things, but it was not transforming us. That was a long journey for Melissa and I, one that we fought against for quite a while. And then we finally submitted to the Lord's call. Uh, it was one of those realities that once we submitted, once we followed what the Lord was calling us to do, we started to see the vision that he was calling us to see. Someone asked me earlier, they were like, is this what you envisioned four years ago? And I was like, I don't think so. I don't know. I knew that we were, this was the trajectory that we were on, but much like everything else, vision, it gets a lot less clear the further it is out there. 
And so you just kind of have to walk towards that vision in faithful obedience until it becomes clear and clear and clear and clear. And so as we've walked, this has been uh, really beautiful. And I'll just say this from the top. You all are an answer to our many prayers. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to be able to do this. We didn't know uh, if, if you guys were, were going to show up. We didn't know if we were going to actually be able to equip people to send people out. Actually, that was probably the only thing that I was a little bit confident about was that we can disciple some people. We've done that. But this, I don't know. And so I'll say this, like, like, what a beautiful thing that we can gather together on a Sunday morning, celebrate the faithfulness and the goodness of God for our church and the many churches worldwide, not just for the last four years, but the last two centuries. So on that night, when we gathered together, we read Matthew 14, 22 to 33. And that's going to be the text for us today as we jump in. Um, but why was it that text, and why is it our text to today? for today? I didn't have this plan, but uh, the Holy Spirit does some cool stuff throughout the week. And so um, I believe that like for 2019, if I look out to 2019, I get some pretty, some, some pretty clear uh, understanding of what that looks like for us, what I hope that the Lord will do for us during that time. If I look out to 2019, I want us to focus on two words, two words as a church. What, is, what does it mean to be a part of this church? What does it mean to be a part of this church in 2019? Two words. Trust me. Not me. But I do believe that God is calling us uh, to trust him. It's what Mallory said in the video, which could not have been planned, although I guess it could have been, but it wasn't planned. But just to trust him. And so it's no wonder that we would go to Matthew 14 where Jesus is found walking on the water without water skis and, uh, and the disciples are sitting there staring at him and wondering if it's a ghost or not. And so let me read this passage and then we're gonna get into three things that I'm hoping that we will trust and entrust to the Lord in 2019. Matthew 14, 22 to 33 would say this. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the lake, the, the Sea of Galilee. And he dismissed the crowds right after feeding the 5,000. He had the guys get into the lake, get into, get into the boat, go across the sea while he dismissed the crowds. And after he got done dismissing the crowds in verse 23, after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land and beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's about 3 a.m., uh, he, uh, he came to them walking on the sea, verse 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come, and come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. Trust me. It's behind most stories in Old and New Testament. Trust me. 
that God would put his people in impossible circumstances. Think of Abraham and Sarah at 99 and 90. You're going to have a son, Abraham. Okay. Impossible situations. And yet God would be and prove himself to be the only one who would be able to fulfill those promises. So trust me. Why do we need to trust God? Because number one, he is God. And number two, he's good. He's God and he is good. And my iPad just died. So, looks like we're winging it today. This is the nature of the beast, right? Like this, I could sit here and click on that all day long. It doesn't matter. So I asked the Lord to help me today. He's going to help me the other way. He says, technology is not your friend. I am. So I just have my Bible now. Where are you going to go with this? Thank you, Jesus. All right, so look. Look, here's the deal. I know my three main points. You don't have to worry about that. Everything else is a crapshoot. We'll see how it goes. All right, so point one. I'm not even going to get into all this. Point one. I think I know. I just boasted before the Lord, and now it's gone. So what if, what if we trusted God at his word? What if we took God at his word? If we go into 2019, and we think about, like, who is it that we're going to be? What if we were a people? What if this church made such an impact in this place that we were a people that trusted God, and we took him at his word? Look at these circumstances right here, right? So, if you think about this, most of us will trust God at his word when we uh, may take some things out of context, like Jeremiah 29, 11 is a great one, like, for I know the plans I have for you, not to harm you. Uh, and yet we take that out of context and know that 29, like ch chapter 29 and, and Jeremiah 11, uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, is when he's sending them into exile, sending them into another country, taking away their homeland. And as he does so, he's saying, but I'm not going to harm you. So we got to take God at his word, especially when the world around us is going to try and convince us that his word is not worthy of our trust, that he is there going to be absent from us or therefore betray us. But God is God and he is faithful. The circumstances in Matthew 14 are beautiful for us to remember. Like Jesus is in charge of the storm that they're in. We find out in, in Mark 4, right, that that, that Jesus has authority over the wind and over the waves, and the disciples are right in the midst of a crazy storm, literally. So much so that he says, hey, I want you to get into the boat at nighttime. Have you ever been in a boat at nighttime? It ain't fun. It ain't fun at all. You're going to get sick in a hurry. You especially, you don't want to be in one when it's stormy. And he knows that there's a storm, storm coming because he's going to send it. If we think that Jesus is an authorship and an authority over all things, the Bible doesn't say he's sent it right here, but we know he's in charge of it, right? In other passages, we know that Jesus has authority over the storms. So he sends his disciples out across the sea, and when he does so, he knows they're going to get in trouble. He knows that they will be beaten back by the waves, he absolutely knows that. I wonder if we will trust God specifically, especially when things get difficult for us. I wonder if we will be a people that trust God and take him at his word. Uh, so for me, um, the thing that I, I my, my prayer for us truly is this. This is gonna be the shortest sermon on the planet. 
Y'all, y'all happy you came today. I'm just saying that right now. All right, so here's, here's, the, here's the reality for me. Like, what if, so here's my prayer for us. And it's, I got goals for 2019 for us. What if we took God at his word and that we actually believed God? Now, to know that, we need to know God's word, right? So what if every partner went through our Bible study workshop in 2019? We have a Bible study workshop we've been doing online. We hope to put that before you uh, in, in, in a classroom somewhere. We don't have classrooms, so we'll figure out where that's going to be. But what if we actually equipped every believer, like, did you see Tara Crockett on that video? Like, my life has changed because I've learned how to reap the Bible. She didn't say read the Bible. She said reap the Bible. Read, examine, apply, pray. What if all of us, partners, members of this body of Christ, in this next year, dedicated ourselves to knowing God's word and trusting God's word? What would that look like for us in our marriages? What would that look like for us in our neighborhoods? What would that look like for us when we go to work? If we read God's word, knew God's word, and trusted God's word. And so if we're going to do that, the mechanism where we do that the best and the most is in our growth groups. Our growth groups are designed for uh, really two to four men or women where they come together they read God's word. They actually reap God's word on their own individually. And then they come back together. And when they come back together, they, they try to figure out, like, not only what did God mean when he said these things, but also, what am I supposed to do about it? And so what if every partner, every, every person that calls the Grove Church home, what if, they, what if they entered into a growth group? And what if every growth group actually did what growth groups were supposed to do. So a lot of times, and we've, we've, we've exercised a lot of freedom, especially with growth groups, but that's changing. We want to see them do what they're designed to do, and that is to equip the believer. So in order to do that, we've got to equip you to learn how to read the scriptures, depend on the Holy Spirit for interpretation and obedience, and then come back together, rejoice where you've been able to, to obey Jesus, and repent where you have failed to obey Jesus. And then speak the gospel to one another. Speak the gospel in such a way that you would say to each other, man, good news, brother, good news, sister. Your good standing with Jesus does not depend on your goodness or your badness this week. Instead, it depends on the faithfulness and the goodness of Jesus. See, that's where growth groups can come alive and we can actually start to be honest with one another, vulnerable with one another, not just about the understandings of the scripture, but whether or not we actually heard the Holy Spirit, took the time to hear him, and obey. See, that's the heart of what this church has always been about, that we would be a people that would trust him. So what does that look like for us in 2019? That we would take God at his word. We would trust him. The second thing I want us to understand, I think, is that we would be a people that would trust in the limits that God has placed on us. What would it look like for us to trust God in our limits? That seems really counterintuitive today when I'm supposed to be casting vision for 2019. Here's the, here's the second vision that you have. You have limits. See, I remember when we first started this church, we were like shot out of a cannon to try and reach every man, woman, and child in Fort Bend County and just bring the gospel to them. And so I would sit at Starbucks daily where the bald guy was, was me, if you didn't figure that out. And so I'm sitting, I was sitting at Starbucks daily what, like listening to people's conversations, butting into people's conversations on a regular basis, introducing myself. First thing I did was I, I showed up and I introduced myself to the barista and I said, hey, my name is Lance and I'm a church planner around here. I'm gonna plant a church out of this Starbucks. So that makes you a coworker of mine. What's your name? 
She was like, I, Callie, what would you like? I was like, okay, good, that went well. Um, but that's the, that, that was okay, right? Because um, I, was, I, was, I was getting into a place, committing myself to a place. But the bad part in that uh, is that when we got shot out of a cannon, we actually had the naivete to think that we were gonna change people's hearts by our own power, on our own schedule, with our own strength, and it was whoever and whenever. And there's some goodness in that. But the reality is, I actually don't have the power to do any of that. Jesus is the only one with the power to raise people from the dead, both in our hearts and literally. And yet I was running around trying to play savior to many people. And I know my heart was good to try and invite them to Jesus, but I got burned out. How I know it was still in my power is that I just got tired in a hurry, frustrated in a hurry, because I was believing the great lie. It's the oldest lie in the book. It's the lie that the enemy whispered to Eve. Yeah, yeah, God told you that you can do anything, that you can eat of any tree, but did he really say don't eat from that one? Don't you know, Eve, that he's holding out on you? Don't you know, Eve, that, that if you ate of that tree, he knows you'll be just like him. See, the great enemy is that we can do anything. The great enemy is that we have no limits. And the great lie is that we have no limits. The great lie is that we can do anything. We, we, are, we live in that culture. I see it on the walls. I was just walking through the walls earlier, praying for our time together. And it was like, just believe that you can and you're halfway there. Like, I remember growing up in Houston, Texas, in the blazing heat of the summer, and we would play field hockey. Why? I don't, we'd play street hockey with like rollerblades on. This is when rollerblades first came out. And it was a thing. If you're still rollerblading, God bless you. Like, keep after it. You keep going. Um, but like, that was the thing back then. And so we rollerbladed and played uh, street hockey. And we often wondered, what if we're supposed to be the, like the next Wayne Gretzky? And we don't know it. What if we're supposed to be this great next hockey player, but we'll never realize it? This is conversations we would have like in seventh grade. But we'll never realize it because we were born in Texas and not in Minnesota. What if? And in that, I'm thinking about like limits. What is it that God's placing on us? He's placing on us limits. In that moment, I just, I'm reminding of, uh, reminded of that conversation I had on the street when I was in seventh or eighth grade to remind myself of this. The reason why I was never created to be the next hockey player because I wasn't born in Minnesota. I was born in Texas where it's hot and we play baseball and football and attempt to play basketball. That's what we do. We don't do hockey. Well, I mean, there's like hockey rinks now, but that wasn't the thing back then. There was a limit on my life that God had placed on my life just based on where I was placed in the world. So what if you trusted God's limits? What if you trusted that you are a limited being, and when you trust your limited being, what you're also doing is affirming that God is unlimited in his nature. See, this leads to us to have a humility and a brokenness and a dependability on God. Because now all of a sudden, it's not up to us. We are limited people. See, this is what happens in your salvation is that we are born with this sinful nature and we think we can do anything, specifically be like God or make it to heaven on our own uh, account. But to accept our limits, even in our own salvation, is to realize that I'm not good enough to make it. The Bible says that no one is good. But Jesus is the one that is good enough and came for us, brought us out of the grave, 
like did heart surgery on us, took out a heart of stone, put in a heart of flesh so that we would trust him. Our salvation is based on us acknowledging and realizing that we are limited beings. And God, by his grace, will reveal that to us. That when we would have that from God and realize that we are limited, we also realize that God is unlimited. And everything that he wants to do for us, through us, to us, with us, and any other preposition you can think of. Is that a preposition? That wasn't in my notes. It wouldn't matter if it was there. Yeah, I got some thumbs up and some yeses. Perfect. What is it that God wants to do through us if we would only acknowledge our limits? Four years in, we still got this going on. Don't you love it? Hey, you're in good company. You're a mess too, right? Like you were all in good company. This place is a mess. You're a mess. It's all good. We got limits even in our sound and everything else going on. So look, like that's the great lie is that we're unlimited, but the reality is that we are a limited people. We are limited by God's grace so that we would depend on him. So this is how this works for us here at The Grove. Um, that today is our fourth year anniversary and Kobe mentioned that today is also Orphan Sunday in the life of kind of the church universal. And a lot of us would probably hear that, that idea of like caring for the orphan and I think many of us just disengage from that kind of involvement. And we disengage um, because we, number one, don't understand the scriptures that James 1 would tell us that pure and undefiled religion is caring for the orphan and the widow in their time of need. So we can't, like, that's not a limit that we're going to cling on to. The Bible, where it calls us to do some specific things, like caring for the orphan and the widow, like we don't get to opt out of caring for the orphan and the widow. That's not something that we go, let me see if the Lord's calling me to do that. No, he has. It's right there in James 1. And so we, we, we read that and we go, so then how am I supposed to actually care for the orphan? We don't just say, well, I'm not called to foster and adopt, and so therefore I'm out. Um, no, in our limits, when we realize our limits, that you know what, maybe I'm not called to foster or adopt, but I am called to do something. Well, what does that look like for us? Like, how do we actually do that? Um, and so today, I wanna invite my friend Troy to come up, and he's gonna tell us a little bit about how he's kind of found his limits, and how he has uh, led a particular ministry, and then while he's talking, I'm gonna see if I can pull my iPad back up. I do not have an iPad, I wrote it down. So oh, good. This is not an issue for me. <laughs> Uh, so, okay, I'm going to have to pull this up because I'm getting old and can't see. So when we were, when Lance contacted me about speaking today to you guys and kind of was telling me the verses we're going to go over, I'm thumbing through my Bible app and looking at stuff, and I came across something which I thought was pretty uh, relevant given what we're talking about. It was in Mark 9, uh, verse 37, and this is Jesus talking. He says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. I started thinking about that, and I started to ask myself, what is it like to care for orphans? You know, if you read that verse, it's, it's a lot like caring for Jesus himself. I thought that was actually pretty powerful. So one of the things that I've kind of been doing with the Grove Church and helping out with is uh, going to Depelchin. So if you want to know what Depelchin is, it's, a, it's an orphanage. They don't like to use that term, but it's an orphanage. It's right here in Richmond, and... They have a lot of the little young kids there. They're there because their parents are in jail or drug users or the children have been sexually abused. 
is a lot of tough things and a lot of reasons why they're there. So one of the things we started doing is we decided out of our growth group that we were going to go and be with them, be present, you know, celebrate birthdays, have, you know, just do what parents would do for a, a child. And so what we do is we'll go once a month and we'll sit there, we'll play with them, basketball, Xbox, you know, whatever. We'll celebrate their birthday, we'll bring a cake, we'll do some crafts, uh, but we also do a devotional. And it's pretty powerful to see these kids and the level of hurt they have and the things they go through. And so one of the ways, if you're not called to foster or adopt, one of the things that you can help with orphans is come on out with us. It's, it's, it's very rewarding. It, um, use an SAT word, satiate your soul. It is, it is one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Now, the first time I went, look, I, it was tough. I was there, I was like, well, why am I doing this to myself? Hearing these kids' stories and the hurt and the level of hurt they know that I, I personally have never felt. So that was kind of tough, but us being there, we are, we are making a difference. We, we really are. Um, there was a uh, young man there that we always, we'd play basketball every, every time we went there. We'd talk trash to each other. We'd hard foul each other. I mean, he's eight, but we gotta let him know life's tough. And, <laughs> I'm, go I'm going to block him. That's going, that's going to happen. Uh, but it was, it was interesting. One day after we were doing arts and crafts, yeah, he came up to me and he made this little... I have it in my pocket here. Hold on. I don't expect y'all to know what this is from here, but it's a little ninja. I don't know if you can see that, that he made. He says, Mr. Troy, I want to give this to you because I never want you to forget me. Mm. And I was like, oh, man, that's... I'm trying to be cool about it. I'm like, <clears throat> yeah, thanks, man. That's awesome. Not looking away because that was. Now this is something I. This is I got this two years ago. And I keep this where I keep the most valuable things: my children's stuff, their birth certificates, social security, maybe small amounts of gold. I don't know, but this is somewhere that is very. This is important to me, and I've never lost this. And uh, that 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 really stuck with me. And that, that we are making a difference there. Mm. Uh, one of the things, though, that we, we could use more help there. We could have people come out there and, and do life with them. You know, it's tough. It's not easy. But like I said, if we go back to that Mark 9, verse 37, what God says, that, that, that can, that's like caring for him. So there are all kinds of ways, like Lance said, we can do Depelchin, um, Parents Night Out. That's a great way. Uh, you don't have to adopt or foster, but there are ways that you can help. And like I said, it makes, it makes a big difference. But I, want, I, I saw something, because if you know my personality type, if I'm asked to do something, I'm going to nerd out and just research everything to the core. Um, I came across something that I read. It's powerful, so I'm sorry if this is tough for you to hear. Uh, but there was a pastor that had this statement, and it really stuck with me. And it said, orphans are easier to ignore before you know their names. Mm. They're easier to ignore before you see their faces. It's easier to pretend they're not real before you hold them in your arms. But once you do, everything changes. Yeah, that's good. Thank you, brother. Give Troy a hand for coming up and sharing. So now that I have my iPad back, that's a good thing. Um, so what if like, God wants something better for us than a comfortable journey to the other side? What if being awakened to needs like this um, help us understand that we, we're not called to do everything, that's God's job, but we are called to do something. 
that we can realize that in our limits, that would just free us up to do maybe one or two things really well as a family, as a church. That's why last year on this day, we said we're, we're going to initiate this For the Orphan project, which is going to last us for our whole lives or until there's no more orphans. It's not just a, a one-year thing. It's an all-time thing. Uh, and the reason why that's part of our church is because that's the heart of God. So in the same vein of kind of making it a little bit uncomfortable, here's some current stats in Fort Bend County. There are currently 159 kids in orphan, or excuse me, in foster care right now in Fort Bend County. Can you guess how many foster homes there are? 159 kids? There are currently 12, 12 foster homes for 159 kids. Where do those kids go? Where do they get held? What happens to them? Some of them get placed at family members' homes. So that's about 58 of them. So that leaves another 101. Not 100, 101. Because every orphan counts. So what is it that we're called to do? Yeah, about 20 of them are at DePelchin in Richmond, right down the road. But we can go and visit them, care for them, throw a party for them, remind them that God's not forgotten about them. Not that, that Troy hasn't forgotten, but that God has not forgotten. That he is the father to the fatherless. And so we go and we bring the good news to them. Perhaps you are called to foster or adopt. I don't want to put that off the table for us, but if we know our limits, then we can know what God's calling us to do. It's not just broad and wide open. I know I'm not a hockey player anymore. I know that. But now, maybe I'm called to do this, that, or the other. So would we trust God in our limits? Will we trust God when he writes out Acts 17, 26, which I'm gonna hope will come up, and then I'm gonna read from the back screen rather than thumbing through my Bible. Uh, Acts 17, 26 would say this. Maybe, perhaps. Yes, there it is, Beautiful. This is the ESV, I have, have it down in the NIV, but this is still good. Like, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods or, or times and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Will you believe that God has put you in this time, in this place, with these people? Those are limits, friends. Will you believe in those things and then dig deep within those limits? To truly bring the gospel to your neighbors, to the networks that God sovereignly and wisely has placed you in at work or at softball or at football or lacrosse, whatever your kids end up doing, will you truly believe that the limits that God has put on your life are sovereign and good and wise and therefore motivate you to dig in because God's put you there? Will you work the plot of land? You may not have purchased it. You may not have preferred it. But will you work the plot of land that God's graciously given to you? Or will you constantly think, I would really like some other land somewhere else? See, that will rob you from being faithful. So will we actually trust God in our limits and dig in where we are and do the thing that God's called us to do? I know this. That there's a question before us that will you trust the, that uh, God has placed you in this church with this people and when it serves you as well as when it's inconvenient? What about will you trust God when we don't institute your favorite program from your other church? Because we're only going to do a few things. 
Will you trust this church's unique calling to make disciples, equip disciples, and plant churches? Will you sit under and heed the constant teaching which calls you to be a missionary? See, a lot of times we go through our, 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 our rhythms as a church, we're like, man, you're like always on the missionary thing. Uh-huh. We, we don't need to be reminded that we're a family. Like, that's what you heard, right? That's what you heard in the video. We need to be reminded that we're missionaries. We need to be reminded that we're called to serve others, that the heart of the Christian life is finding joy in serving Jesus. That's what John 15 would say. So why am I saying all this about limits? I could say that in a different way. I want you to know this from the lead pastor of this church. Four years into the grove, I'm convinced of one thing. Living as a missionary is infinitely more difficult than living as a consumer. Infinitely more difficult. So when you say like, it's easier to come to church and just kind of plop, pray, and, and, and pay, like, yeah, that's easier. But that is not what the New Testament has called any church to do, much less what you're called to do at this church if you're calling this place home. So it's easier, but the New Testament beckons us to a risky, relentless living as a family loved by our Father, as servants who are selflessly served by the King himself, and as missionaries filled with resurrection power to live out on mission. So my limits tell me that we cannot reach every person on my street, but God can. My limits make me aware that I will likely mess it up when I see sin in other people, but God's call reminds me to lovingly call it out, and he calls you to do the same in me. What shall we do? Shall we trust him in these limits, or shall we rebel against them? See, this is the place where our humility comes to the forefront. Our brokenness and our dependence meets the unlimited nature and love of God, which he has chosen to flow through you here, now. Not just to be the cesspool of grace, but a conduit of grace to see that be poured out onto others. So the goal for us trusting God in our limits would be this. For every partner to find some way to serve the orphan, for every member of our church, for every partner of this place to serve the orphan in some way. Make a lunch for someone who's fostering or adopted. Go show up on December 7th when we do uh, the parents' night out. Find a way to get to Depelchin. Or better yet, sit with the Lord and ask him what he's calling you to do. And would we, every partner, would we, every one of us, find a way to serve locally at least two to three times in this next year. Not just be rooted in God's word for God's word's sake, but to be rooted out and be able to go and share the love of Jesus throughout our city. So trusting God with his word, trusting God with our limits, finally, what does it look like for us to trust God with our posture? Trusting God with our posture in 2019. Look at the text in Matthew 14. We're back in this, right? Look at, what, look at what happens here. That after Jesus says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid, in verse 27, Peter answers him. Peter hears those, those voice, that voice and those words of take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter just edges out to the edge of the boat and looks out to Jesus and he still doubts that it's him. And he says, Lord, if it's you, if you're out there, I've already heard your voice. I should know it's you. If you're out there, call me out there and I'll go. That's what it says, right? 
command me to come to you. Don't suggest it. Command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, well, come on out then. See, there's that posture that he's still a bit afraid. He's still a bit of doubt in him. And there's a posture of just leaning in to Jesus and saying, I'll go out into the dangerous parts of this world, the unsecure parts of this world, certainly the inconvenient and uncomfortable parts of this world. I'll come out there, but only if you're saying to do it. So how do we know? We've got to get to know his voice. We've got to understand what his calls are. Again, going back to understanding God's word. And as much as I believe that we need to trust God with our limits, he is also giving us a model of how to do that well. We cannot know our limits without a posture of curiosity and creativity with the Lord. You and I will never tell stories of great faith. I think heaven, like eternity, I think a lot of it's gonna be sitting around a campfire. I know there's not gonna probably be a fire, but let's just come with me here. Like, we're gonna sit around a campfire and we're gonna tell stories about what God did. And I wanna know, like, what kind of stories do you wanna tell on that day? I want to tell stories of how I got myself in impossible situations just following Jesus and come to find out like he's real. His spirit is real. He actually helps us speak to our neighbors even though I'm in way over my head. I want to tell stories of where I just risked some safety and security to go and find Jesus. That's the kind of story I want to tell. I don't want to tell stories about how that guy was really good at doing that. I don't want to tell stories about how, like, oh, man, remember when you used to do all these things? And they go, hey, man, it's your time to tell your story. And go, I, I got no story. I don't know if that's going to be eternity, but that motivates me to live a life of risk, to live a life of faith. And so here's how this works for me. This is the last thing that I'm going to say, and then we'll be done. But this may be oh, the most risky thing that I'll say. Our vision for 2019 that we would take God at his word, that we'd lean into our limits and therefore trust God to be unlimited, and that, of course, that we would trust God with our posture. And I'll just be really frank with you. I don't know that I've been obedient with my posture for like the last couple years. My posture has been like, okay, we're, we're all right. We're gonna be okay. Let's take care of the people uh, in the boat. Let's take care of the sheep in the pen, so to speak. And we kind of let off the gas, and in so doing, I have lost sight of a vision that I feel like God gave me many years ago. Most times when we do our partnership classes, one of the questions that we get asked pretty occasionally, pretty regularly, or in a partner-only meeting is, what are we going to do for a building? Can I tell you what we're going to do for a building or what I pray that God will do and help us do with a building? Can I, can I, can I share that vision with you? So here's my fear. My fear is this. Here's like just some, some just flat out fears for me. I've just not done this in the past because I'm afraid that God won't do it. I'm afraid that when he, if he doesn't do it, then y'all will see me as a bad leader. I'm also afraid of those that are at this church for the very reason of us not having a building. Like you love this. And so there's just all kinds of competing things going inside of my heart on this issue. But it's time for me to stand up as pastor of this church and tell you what it is that's been in our hearts for some time, for two or three and maybe even four years, is this. I don't want us to get like distracted by the shiny object of a building. That's why I've kept it and just been like, oh, what are we gonna do for a building? I don't know, we'll see what the Lord does. Maybe we'll never have a building. And guess what? Maybe we'll never have a building. This is fine. This is beautiful, actually. I love this. I, it gets a little crazy on days like today with sound and everything else. But this is beautiful. 
And I'll just say this, like this vision of a, of a facility still means we do this, at least for the short term. So here's what this would mean. Like, if you know this about us, you know that our vision is inviting all people to follow Jesus in all of life. So what would it look like to create a facility where that's still our mission? Inviting people to follow Jesus in all of life. Well, if it's all of life, then we know that's not only Sunday, so it can't be some traditional uh, auditorium where we come, we gather, and we go, and it sits empty for the next six days. Instead, the all of life part of this compels us to think about our vision to exist for Jesus and for good. And so how is it that we can exist in this place, seek the welfare of this city, and create some sort of a facility where we're literally existing for the good of our city? What would that look like? How could we do that as a people? Well, here's what we think. It would mean that we would have some sort of shared office space because here is the harsh reality. Four years into this, uh, like we can't do Starbucks anymore. Like we're just beyond that. And, 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 and working at home has its limitations when you've got small kids. Amen to any business owners? Hello, Ferguson's you in the house? Yeah. It just has limitations when you're working from the house and trying to run business, church, whatever you want to go for. And so there's this thing in us that goes, okay, we're just practically compelled now to start heading down this direction. So yes, we need office space, and there will become a time where we, we push towards getting some office space, but we don't want to just hog it for ourselves. We want to, again, provide a place that is for the good of our city. So what does it look like for us to have, us to have some office space, us to have a place where we can equip the saints to make disciples who make disciples, but also share that spot with counselors, with lawyers, with financial advisors that will help our city, our area, get sometimes, get, just get the gospel into them through some mental health care, through physical health care. That ain't getting any better in our country through actually getting out of debt and having a good gospel-centered financial advisor to be able to sit with people across the table and help them get their finances in order so that they can do the things that God is calling them to do. What does it look like for us to do this type of thing? See, that doesn't mean that we're, we're not gonna do this. It just means that our next step in this journey for us as far as a facility is concerned is that we've got to start making some headway into putting these kinds of roots down in this place at this time. See, there's limits now, and we're going, okay, because of the limits that we have of real estate, of crazy prices, of this, that, or the other, and this desire in us to make something new, Lord, lead us into a place where something's broken or something's missing, and we just see it, and you give us the ability to step in and do something like this for our area, for our city. That's where we're headed. And so I want to put that before you to just go, okay, well, we'll pray about that now. And so the goals for us in 2019 aren't to like build and build and build and build. It is to go, okay, there's some practical needs in the life of our church and also practical needs in the life of our community. How can we help meet both? One day it might mean that we have a gathering spot there, maybe. It might also mean we're just at frost forever. But how can we seek an affordable spot to be able to be not permanently rooted, because I don't, that, like every church plan is temporary. Jesus is gonna come back and make all things new and then we'll be in the great church forever and ever. But that we will be here with roots and we would ask God to give us a facility for that starting now. In November, now four years later, would we start to look for that 
vision, where we start to look out to the welfare of our city, where we can provide care for mental health, care for family counseling, care for basic law services of estate planning and other things, care for seeking the welfare of the city with building up and equipping uh, the saints. So goal for 2019. So here's my competing value with that, just so you know that what goes on in my heart. Anytime I think about a facility, anytime I think about like doing that kind of thing, I think about India. Immediately where I go, I go, okay, well, that's going to compete against India. So we don't want to not uh, give to India. Our end of year uh, initiatives are really this, two, twofold this year. Our end of year giving initiatives are first to India, $5,000 to go to India because our team is going to South Asia, I should say, in January. And as they go, they need some money to be able to bring so that they can bless the people while they're there, care for their expenses, et cetera, et cetera. So that's there. Like, we want to do that. But our, our, our donor base for Friends of India Initiative through Attack Poverty is broader than ever. And I'm praying that it gets even broader. We've got now a church in Pensacola who's helping out. Uh, we've got more people in the city of Houston that are helping out more than ever. And so that donor base is continuing to grow and grow and grow and grow. And with that, we sense that we are freed up from being the sole providers of what's going on there so that we can start this journey down this road at an unforeseen time to be able to start raising some dollars for a facility. This center for good, or perhaps it's the all of life center, or perhaps it's for the bend center. We don't know. That's the vision, right? We just gonna have to keep walking until sometime in the future he'll make it clear. But we walk in that trajectory. We walk in that direction. And we ask him, Lord, if it's you, I'll go. And so these goals for 2019, as he puts them up, would you, would you truly ask and pray to the Lord to provide his place in his time, however that looks? And then as we start raising money for that, it might be like two or three years from now before this, any of this happens. Maybe it's two or three months. We don't know. But like, we're not gonna give you, we wanna raise $14,000 by this date. We're not gonna do that for the building or the facility. We are saying, once you get with the Lord, once you like hear him, ask him, Lord, how am I to participate in this? If this is your home, you're called to participate in this. So, so how am I to participate in this? And then what am I gonna obey in? Like, how can I obey in this? So, vision 2019. Trusting God at his word, trusting God in limits, and of course, trusting God with our posture to say, Lord, whatever you want from us, we will go. We will be risky. We will be risk takers. And if it's you out there, we want to come. Do you join us in that? Would you help us in that? That's our prayer for us as we get out of here and as we go and eat beautiful barbecue from Shade Tree. It's going to be great. But that's really what's driving us as we get into 2019. These three simple things. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful that you gave me back my iPad and that you helped us understand through Troy what it means to just have simple obedience within limits. I'm not supposed to foster or adopt, but I am supposed to do something. What is it that you want us to do? Individually, corporately? If we get to 2019, what, what kind of posture could we have to lean out of the boat and just go, Lord, I'll come, but I don't want to fall out. You just call me out, and I'll go. Maybe it's going across the sea. Maybe some of us in here are, are, are just ready, chomping at the bit, and we just need to hear somebody say it. I'm supposed to go to Thailand, or, or I'm supposed to go to China, or I'm supposed to go to, to South America somewhere.
Or maybe you're supposed to go plant a church across town and we're supposed to help that too. Father, help fuel these thoughts with your spirit. Help them not die. Help us take the posture of, well, if it's of the Lord, it'll live. And if it's not of the Lord, then it'll die. And be okay with both. But let us not stay in the safety and the security of our quote-unquote boat and wonder why we never experience the fullness of Jesus. Because he's out there. Help us see. Help us trust. Help us lean out knowing that you have something greater for us than comfort or security. But instead, it is in your son Jesus that we find those things. So we heed the call. I pray that we heed the call. That you put out before us the invitation that come to me and find rest. So will we find our rest in you? Would you find our comfort in you? You're the only one that can provide it. And so we ask, Lord, that you would help us see that, believe that, and lean into that today. In Jesus' name, amen.